0: Okay, we're continuing in our study on the call of God. We've talked about all different kinds of calls out of the Old Testament. Last week, we talked about the call of Matthew. And we'll begin this week looking at the call of John. The call of John. That is John, the disciple. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. That's not where it starts, but that's where we're going to start. (laughs) We have the call here showing Christ making that call. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. I'm looking at verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by a sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And so here we get the call to John. Simultaneous, Peter and Andrew, two brothers, and just down a little bit from them. The next boat, maybe, there's James and John, two brothers, and uh, they're working with their father. Jesus says, come after me, and they just dropped everything and walked away. I always think that that's great. Uh, Those are the people that really make it. And they just say, hey, I'm with you now. Off we go. This is what we're doing. And uh, the call of John is pretty interesting to me. Because I think he's a character. Uh, Whenever he writes about himself, he refuses to use his name. And sometimes we can't figure out who he's talking about for a while. Uh, And so If we were to go back in time a little bit before this, there's two guys. And one of them is Andrew, who we met here. And the other one is John. And he never tells us his name. We just figure it out because we're starting to understand that this guy won't call himself uh, by name. He says there's two people in the river with John the Baptist. And one of them is Andrew, and the other one is John. And Jesus comes walking over the hill, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's when John first saw Jesus. And then we know that Jesus was walking to whatever house he was staying at, and John's behind him, following him. Finally, Jesus turns around and says, You want me for something? (laughs) Well, we just want to see where you were staying, he says. Would you like to come with me? Yeah. All right. So John and Jesus meet that first spot. Follow him home. Stay all night with him. Talking. Follow him the next day as they go to the wedding at Cana. John's at the wedding at Cana. And John goes on to Capernaum. Uh, where he's fishing. That's what he does for a living. And Jesus walks by. He says, why don't you leave that and come with me? And so he goes. Uh, The character of John is hidden a little bit because he refuses to talk about himself. But every once in a while, he tells us something. And the other authors tell us a little something. In Mark chapter number 3, these two brothers... James and John. In Mark chapter number 3. We're going through the list of apostles. And he says in verse 17. James the son of Zebedee. And John the brother of James. He surnamed them Boanerges, Which is the sons of thunder. (laughs) And Jesus changes. He says you guys are so loud. You're so boisterous. You're so overwhelming when you come around. I'm going to call you thunder. You are the sons of thunder. So John is not a little meek and mild guy. When he's with his brother, uh, they make a lot of noise. They have full of energy energy. And Jesus always likes people that like to have a good time. Jesus isn't a miserable, nasty guy. It's hard to get along with. wants people to just sit there like mice. He likes people with energy. Look at Peter, look at John. He calls him a son of thunder because he 's so loud. makes his you ever know people like that? <laughs> you know people are really loud. There's a guy that I knew, and I walked into a funeral home. There's probably 75 people in there. I stepped in the door, and I heard his voice above everybody. I said, I know that. I know who's in there. I have to look. He's louder than everybody there. We got people like that here, don't we? This is Levi. He's louder than everybody here. That's okay. God likes people with a little bit of noise, and uh, he likes John. Uh, He likes John. And John, after a while, has to call himself something. And so over in John 13, he he chooses this name for himself. (coughs) John 13, this is at the Last Supper, verse 23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples Whom Jesus loved. (laughs) Of course, it's him. He's writing about himself. He said, At the Last Supper, I was laying with my head on his chest. All right, that's a pretty close friend, right? does that we may do that with our family members sometimes but this is a friend and he's laying there he's got his head on his chest and he says so you know it's me this is the name I chose I'm the one whom Jesus loved and he took up that title for himself I'm the one whom Jesus loved that sound a little odd to you Didn't he love everybody? Did he? Yeah, he loved everybody. So why did he take that name? Look, my friends, I can't explain this. I can't explain this. But there are people who are attracted to each other more than normal. There is an attraction between some people. It's a very natural thing and you can't explain it. I saw a picture a few years ago. Somebody said, hey, look at this old photograph we found. It was at my grandmother's house. I was about six years old. And it was in the backyard. Takes me way back in my memory. And we had 20 cousins they 20 or 21 cousins. And whenever we all got there, there was a baseball game constantly. You can look, and there's all the kids playing baseball off in the back there. There's some adults there. And there's Uncle Ed. And there's me. Not playing baseball. I'm sitting next to Uncle Ed, six years old. Because that's where I wanted to be. And they'd say... How come you're always next to him? I don't know. I can't explain it, except for there's a natural attraction. There's something about it, and Jesus and John have this very natural attraction. Yeah, he's loud, uh, but he's there's something about these two. They're best friends, and John says, "I'm the one that Jesus loved." He certainly didn't mean he didn't love everybody else. We know better than that. But he stood out as a constant shadow, constant companion to John. Now, of the disciples, three of them would go on to write books. We just finished on Tuesday night. Peter. You know that Peter wrote first and second Peter. Last week he talked about Matthew. We know that Matthew wrote, of course, the Gospel of Matthew. And then we go to John. And of the three disciples, uh, uh, of the 12, there are three that wrote books. And I think an awful lot about this. I think an awful lot about this. It's always running in my mind that I could talk... For days and hours and years. Which I have. Been talking for 40 years. And. The minute I die. Nobody's going to know what I said. Unless. I write it down. So there's a the difference. See. Uh, tell me. The other nine disciples. Can you name them. I did this little exercise myself, and I couldn't name all nine of them. I got eight of them, but uh, Peter and John and Matthew, the brothers is James and Andrew, that makes five. You know of Thomas, right? You know Philip and Nathaniel, Judas Iscariot, and there's three named Thaddeus, who's that? <laughs> James the last, who's that? And another, Simon, who's that? Why don't you know those people? Because they never wrote a thing down. Matter of fact, what do you know about James, his brother? You don't know nothing. What do you know about Andrew? Only a few times he's mentioned, you don't know anything. The ones that wrote things down become established characters. Because now we know a little something about them. So Jesus calls John. Now this loud, boisterous fisherman would say... What are you going to do with him? Well, he's going to write. He's going to write. And uh, I, I want him for a special reason, and that is this. And I believe that the call of John is based on this very much. Some people minds work. Different. Some people's minds work differently than others. And some people think more clearly than others. And some people have a mind that's more creative and more able to view things than others. And Jesus in John saw a mind that was more creative more thoughtful than everybody else's all the other twelve all right. John had this mind that viewed things so much differently now when we read it our commentators read the Bible and they tell us what to think <laughs> and lots of times they're right it's certainly worth reading but you gotta, sometimes you've got to back up a little. Now, when Matthew writes his story, remember he's the detail man. I think we already brought it. He's got all the little details. He starts with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Here's Adam, all the way to Jesus. Now, oh, that's a lot of detail, right? And then you go to Luke. What does he do? I'm going to give you another genealogy. Here's another genealogy of Jesus Christ from Abraham all the way down to Jesus. And these two guys are giving genealogy. Why? Because Jewish minds love genealogy. They love genealogy. If you can trace Jesus back to Adam, we love it. You, know, you probably could care less. It's not our thing. Some of us like genealogy, and we've worked on it. I like to be able to say, watch this. I'll go back seven generations. I like to do that. But the Jews, that was everything. Because they were part of a tribe, part of a family. They like to keep track of that. John never gives any genealogy. Why? He don't think like a Jew. He doesn't think like a Jew. He thinks differently. So in trying to describe John's thinking, they say, well, he thinks like a Christian. When he started thinking that way, okay, he was a follower of Christ. But it was so different from what everybody else thought. So you go to Matthew, he's got Adam, bore so on, so on, down to and then Joseph, Jesus Christ. You go to John, and he says, In the beginning was, where would you hear those words before? Mm -hmm. Genesis 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. One of the great geniuses of of the Old Testament, Moses. Moses says, here, let's explain it. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And John says, here's the way I view it. In the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god and the same was in beginning with god and without him nothing was made that was made all things were made by him and he starts this it's like he's writing genesis again cuz he thinks so different from everybody else and he goes on to think different he tells us the story of nicodemus and the woman at the well two of the longest conversations in the bible because he says, if you could just been there to hear this, it would change the way you think of Jesus. So I'll tell you what he said. Here's what he said to Nicodemus. And from it, we get the favorite verse in all the Bible, right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, you all learned that from your childhood. That he gave his only begotten son. Comes from this. John's mind said, you all should have heard that. Different than anybody else. Nobody else commented on it. The woman at the well, the same way. And then he goes on a little bit farther and he says, here's how I want you to think of Jesus. He called himself the light of the world. That's a new way to think of it. And he called himself the bread of life. Nobody ever thought of that before. And he called himself the living water. Put those three together, what do you got? Fresh new thoughts about how to think about Jesus. And then he called himself the good shepherd. All those things come from John as he's taking this unusual mindset and turning it around so that we hear things that we never hear anywhere else. Then we go through John and he says, now I'm going to take you in John chapter 12 to the Last Supper. So we go, Matthew, Mark and Luke, the Last Supper. How many verses, maybe five at the most? Here's a, here to tell you what happened at the Last Supper. A Few of them got maybe six or eight verses. John says, "I'm going to talk about chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17. Six chapters. On the Last Supper. It's so unique that we can't. It's so different. But he told us things. In my father's house are many mansions. The most quoted verse at any funeral. In my father's house are many mansions. Been quoting it for years. I've quoted it at almost every one I've ever done. And it came from John all these tremendous thoughts so his mind just is different than anybody else's he views the world differently we talked about the miracles through the book of john right you read mark there's probably 60 miracles Here, jesus did this jesus did that they just pile up john says i see eight of them i want you to know eight of them are different Eight of them have a whole new purpose. And we learn today what's the purpose. Jesus declaring I am the son of God. I healed that man born blind. I raised Lazarus from the dead. I fixed the man by the pool for 38 years. I am the son of God. It becomes a central point in his trial. Are you the son of God? Yeah, here's proof. I raised Lazarus from the dead. I healed a man born. And John's got it very, very, very sharp. You say, was he educated? No. No education. Just fresh thought and a new approach. And so God, Jesus, calls him. I want you to follow me. Why? Because I need you to write. And so he views his mission exactly very clearly if we look at John chapter 20 go tell you how his mind works why he's writing it gives us a reason for his unusual thought process, and then going into it to tell us, here's why I think this way. Verse 30 of John 20. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Right. So I want you to know Jesus did a lot of things. I didn't write them all down. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So every time he sits down to tell a story, what is it? I got to convince you by my story that Jesus is not just the Messiah but that he is the divine son of God. And if you can get that in your mind, you can have eternal life. That's why I'm writing. Now you turn to John 21, next chapter over. uh, He makes another great comment. Verse 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So I'm done. I finished. I'm done. But you got my point. But he said, if we wrote everything down, he said, not enough books in the world to hold it. Not enough. He said, well, yes, there are. Get his point. He's telling you. He said, there would be no end. If we told you everything he did, we'd just go on and on and on. Our goal is to get you to believe. So, here's a guy who is known for unique thinking. He stands out in the Bible as one of these extremely creative thinkers. And you understand that Matthew, Mark came first. Mark's gospel was first. You can tell it was written hurriedly when you read it. You read it as like it's on fire. You can't turn the pages fast enough. Uh, Matthew came in next. He'd been collecting details for three and a half years. Luke is a scholar who collects information. And he said, I went and I got eyewitness reports from starting with Mary And going through, I got eyewitness reports. So he finishes his gospel third. And the last one to write is John. And it's quite a long time later. Why do you think? Because he don't want to say what they said. Not that they said anything wrong. He's got something different, more creative, more purposeful to say. So he writes later. No, that's not all he's going to write. He's going to write epistles, letters of which one, uh, the most famous is John, chapter, first uh, John, uh, and there's second and third John, which are kind of small and not as significant. But he writes this letter, first John, and it's so different. Nobody wrote anything like it before, and he says to you, here's a, here's what we're going to think, God is. Love. Nobody ever put it quite like that before. He just said, "God is love," and here's how we know when we love the brethren, and He loves us, and He loved the We love Him because He first loved us. One of the great statements about love, and and He writes this creative letter about Jesus being love. Nobody else touches it. Nobody comes near it. So you think, well, that's creative. So God's not done. Revelation. Revelation, right at the first verse. He's the author of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, that's John, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified by his angel unto his servants. I said that wrong. The revelation God gave to Jesus to show to his servants. And he sent an angel to John to go tell this story. Now this gonna blow your mind. This book will blow your mind up. And who's he picked to write it? The most creative mind that he's got in the New Testament. And maybe in the Bible. Why is John chosen to write Revelation? Because he's going to show him things that nobody... What does that mean? What does that look like? If you've seen these angels that... Hover over the throne of God, try explaining them. Isaiah tried to explain them, and John will try to explain them. And John will say, Oh, I saw a dragon come out of the sea. And is it a dragon? I don't know. But a very creative mind, he said, You look like a dragon to me. (laughs) Talking about Antichrist. And so the book of Revelations is filled with these very unique explanations of what he's getting a chance to see. I saw a book. And Jesus opened the pages of a book. And as he opened the page, a horse came out. he turned a page and another horse. Turn a page and another horse. Four horses come out as he's turning the page. That creative point of view is telling us the things that we can hardly wrap our mind around. But we sure got a painted picture of it. Huh? Turn a page and a horse jumps out of your Bible. <laughs> you wouldn't forget that. That happened to you. And so he writes the book of Revelation. God's message of the end of time said, I chose him. Because he's really different. And I think he can handle it. He can handle this unique stuff that I'm about to show him. And so John writes the book of Revelation. Just telling us what he saw. Telling us what he saw. And when Ezekiel wrote. He's the same way. He says, I don't know what I saw. Looked like a big wheel. With a wheel inside of it. What's he trying to explain? Trying to explain God, Meg. it's hard to explain God. John, who knew Jesus, best friend, right there looking up his nostrils, okay? He says, I think I know Jesus pretty well. And I would say that he is all love. And then I would say, when he told me about these things in the future, I would say we got to look at it all that way. Can you? Hmm. It's a new way to read the book of Revelation. The creative mind of John. So here's a guy called because his mind worked different. And God needed people to write things down. And so John is chosen, called by God, because he thinks different. In my experience... There's a lot of preachers that don't think different. But I ran into a guy, an author, a long time ago, probably 35 years ago, a preacher handed me a book. He said, try reading that. So his name was Alexander White. And he was a Scottish preacher. And he wrote things... My head hurt. And I remember some of them. I read it and I'd say, I don't know what to think about that. It's so different, it's so unique. And I would read it again, and there's some of those chapters in that book, there's no question I read uh, 20 times. And then it started to sink into my brain to learn to look at things upside down and sideways in any way but what everybody else does. That's the way this Alexander White wrote. One chapter was so compelling, I know I read it a hundred times. And I still grab it and read it again because it's so fresh. It's so unique. And when I read it, I say, I want to do that. And one night, I was doing my sermon, Saturday night into Sunday morning, and I finished, and I said, like I try to do, I reread it. After I've done, I reread it, I read it, and I said, hey, I just thought like Alexander White. Yeah, I thought different than everybody else does. And so I think that's a very fascinating topic. John called because his mind work different than everybody else. Thank you.